welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 122. That is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, how you doing? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, this is, again, the past couple weeks we've been lucky. We've avoided the podcast before a game, but unfortunately, that's the way it's going to be this episode. It just has to happen. It's okay. You'll live. Uh, but the good thing is, the good thing is today we're going to maybe eat some crow and pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Looking back at some preseason predictions, but again, before we get to that, uh, there's some current things to talk about. And the big news around the Bruins right now is Jeremy Swayman is uh, is back. He's back on the roster. Keith Kincaid's been sent to Providence. Uh, Swayman will back up on Thursday, and then you know we'll see sort of where he goes. Um, but I think what's, what's funny is, obviously this is a good thing that <laughs> Swayman is back. But I think the big reason why it's such a good thing is, in my eyes, you can give Olmark some rest coming up. He's played a lot of games. And again, the Bruins, after this stretch with the Flyers and the Blackhawks, they have a really tough schedule coming up. You got the Lightning. You got the Panthers. Uh, am I right? Avalanche are in there as Vegas, well. Vegas twice. Yes, you give Bruce, the Bruce Cassidy revenge tour. So, like, you need Olmark rested, but you also need Olmark rested for the playoffs. Uh, so what do you think with Swayman coming back? Yeah, I think it's huge for this team. Again, once again, shout out to Scotty Watt and the the team they have at the Bruins. I don't know what they've been doing this year. The fact that you've got all these guys coming back from injury, I think it had a schedule. the bio steal. That what it must be, right? Is that is that Petrov's new thing? Is Petrov, I think that is. I think that bio, is Petrov's bio new steal thing. Sponsor. Yeah. Um, but I, I think when you just look at the fact that another guy is kind of ahead of schedule, and this is a situation with Swayman where it first happens, not putting any pressure on that leg, you're like. All right, what exactly are they dealing with here? You don't really get much of an update. You're wondering, all right, is this a long-term injury? Is this a season-ending thing? Ultimately, ends up being about, a, what, two and a half weeks? Really not that bad for what I think people probably first thought. But as you said, not only is it important to the fact that Swimming's back out there, and for him, he's still a guy that has a high ceiling as an everyday NHL goaltender. Bit of a shaky start to begin the year. Again, it's only, what, three, three and a half you know, ish games you want to say in terms of him coming in that last game. So save percentage, not that great, but early on for him, but you hopefully he kind of builds his game back up and kind of the similar situations as what was last year where, all right, if Omar hits a lull, hopefully Swayman's playing at a high level. And I'm sure for Swayman kind of sitting on the outside, looking in and seeing how well Olmark's played, the goalie hugs will be back. They'll be the, the vibes will be good, but as just a natural NHL goaltender or natural competitor, you're going to want to try to fight for those minutes as well. So it can only be uh, a good thing if Swimman comes back and plays at a high level, because as you said, I think the most important thing is you just don't want to tax Olmark early. When you look at the various things that usually tend to go wrong when it comes to a team, it looks like they're putting together a really good playoff run. One of the most common ones tends to be the the number one goalie runs out of gas by the time it gets to the spring. So you look at Olmark and as great as he's been, and even with this higher workload, he has not really faltered at all over the last couple of weeks. He's still a guy that his career high for games played in the season is 41. Yeah. Not a, yeah, not a guy that, you know, you hope that Swimming gets back uh, and is playing at a high level because even if Olmark right now looks like a, a Vezina frontrunner, you could say, you still don't want this to be a situation where he's playing – 55 60 games because you just don't want to use up all those reserves for the playoff stats so getting swimming back that he's healthy now builds his own game but most importantly you're able to allocate i think more reasonable reps between those two guys and that going forward yeah i mean again i think the biggest thing is 
you don't, as you said, you don't want him. You don't want to overuse him in the early going. You don't, again, you have a safe lead in the Atlantic. You're, you're rolling. You don't need to wear Omar into the ground. You don't. And I think for a little bit, they did there because Swayman was out, but now that he's back, you know, a 50, 50 split for the next month, probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for everyone involved, just to kind of keep Omar's games down again. He's older. He's used to the area more used to the team more. You know, and again, he's also leading the league in goals against average. Like, as you said, Olmark went from like, oh, he's doing really well to, oh my God, this guy might be a Vesna candidate, or at least he is in the early going. And we'll get to kind of where we predicted the Bruins goaltending situation to be a little bit later, which neither of us were way off. I actually went back and listened to the whole Bruins preview and prediction Bruins beat episode. Um, and not there was only like a couple predictions that I was that that really have looked bad so far. Um, but everything else wasn't super far off. Uh, I want to say at least early in like in the early going. Um, but one thing that's a little bit surprising is, you know, Mike, everyone kind of says Mike Riley's the odd man out. Mike Riley down in Providence right now. Mark Diver tweeted on uh, Thursday morning. He's on the top of the power play. So at least he's getting power player up somewhere. Um, but another guy who's been real odd man out is Craig Smith, uh, not playing on Thursday. His con- you know, isn't getting much time when he's in the lineup. Has re- I mean, again, I have not noticed much of him at all this year. Like, there's just not, granted he's on the bench for a lot of it, but even when he's on the ice, I mean, just the impact is not what we're used to with Craig Smith. I think, you know, when the Bruins initially signed Smith back uh, at the end of the 1920 season, his thing was he was a consistent, you know, middle six forward. You could always count on him, and it feels like right now that's not the case. Do you see a situation where they're trading him? I mean, it could be a situation, yeah, again, when you look at the fact that most likely the first guy that's going to be in the outside looking in, it has to be Riley. I mean, the fact he's already down in Providence would seem to map out a situation. I think even Diver um, tweeted this out a few days ago that uh, he would not be surprised if, you know, his agents are already talking and trying to find the best way for both parties to move on. Because I think at the end of the day, we've mentioned this before, Best case scenario, I think, for everyone involved is, one, the Bruins move Riley not only to get cap compliant, but Riley's a guy that, let's face it, hasn't worked out this year. Maybe last year is a bit of a step back for him. He's still a guy that shouldn't be down in Providence. He shouldn't be a guy that is, you know, the middle of 10 paper transactions already. He's still an everyday NHL player, and he should be able to play somewhere. So you hope that gets uh, resolved soon. But, yeah, Smith's a guy that it's kind of, I wouldn't say like an enigma, but it's kind of like you don't really know what to make of him this year, right? And he's kind of stuck in this no man's land where, all right, the arrival of Zaka and the fact that the top six is more or less kind of settled now has kind of put him in a rough spot. But when you look at where Montgomery's playing Smith when he is in the lineup, it's in like a fourth line role where he's getting eight, nine, ten minutes tonight. I think the last, I think his last game, he only played like seven minutes and like 30 seconds. So, and for a guy like Smith, who is, uh, you know, known as a volume shooter, kind of more of a middle six guy, doesn't really complement his game. And again, it doesn't really make the most out of what you're looking for in that fourth line. Like, I think you saw with this past game, you know, against the Canucks where A.J. Greer was in there, you kind of see where where he fits in on that fourth line and what he can bring. Like, I don't think um, Craig Smith is dropping the gloves necessarily with someone like Greer did in that game. Um, and even though Greer played eight and a half minutes in that game, made the most of it, right? I think he had five hits in those limited ice time. So it's a tough spot for Smith to be in where it's like, all right, unless he 
slots back in on that fourth line and pots a goal. I don't really know what else he's doing to kind of fight for his minutes, especially when you have a guy that probably fits better into that spot with Greer. So maybe it's an injury or something that opens the door for him. But for right now, you look at what, you know, Smith's ceiling is, what he's traditionally been over the, the years in terms of being a guy that you can at least pencil in for 15 goals, 35-ish points. Um, you know, is it a lingering injury? Is it just the fact that is he like hitting a wall? Because again, we kind of saw some of this last year in the playoffs where it's like, all right, was he banged up? Is something bothering him? It's kind of carried over into this season. So for the Bruins, it's one of those things where do you try to find a way to move him? But right now, what is his value really at, right? I think you can look at Smith's resume and what he's uh, generated over the years and be like, all right, maybe a team would be interested in adding him to a third line, but I'm sure there's probably a couple of other teams that look at just his track record and see how it's kind of been declining like this for a while now. And, you know, I don't think the Bruins want to move guys that you have to throw in a lot of sweeteners in to take off a contract. Like maybe the fact that Riley signed for another year makes some teams hesitant, but I still think his value is at a level where you don't have to throw in a third round pick or something just to get that contract off the books with Smith, you know, pending UFA, but when you look at just that level of production, like how much are you expecting to get from him? So it's a tough situation because I think Smith can still help this team, but look at what his role is and what that production is. You can only hope that a guy breaks through before you have to really just have to start moving on. Cause it's not like guys like Frederick or Zaka are necessarily playing themselves out of that lineup or opening the door for Smith to slot in. Yeah. Again, you kind of have to be patient here, but I also think again, like, you know, Riley and Smith, as you said, deserve to, be everyday NHL players. I know Smith is regressing, but there's got to be a team out there that needs a middle six guy who can contribute in a regular role. Um, and same with Riley. Like we've said this about Mike Riley for two years now. Like there's got to be a team out there that, and there are, that could use a mobile puck moving left shot defenseman who can play in your top four. Again, are you going to compete for a Stanley cup with, with Riley in your top four? No, but there are teams that just need a guy like that. Um, yeah. And I, I, again, but also you look at the depth, you look at just depth again, like defensively can go down like crazy. There could be a situation in which Riley comes up and is needed full time. Um, you know, Craig Smith is more depth up there, I think with, with certain guys, but even then, like if you need a spark in the playoffs or, you know, young guys, you know, you get to the first round again, this is all saying that Smith doesn't turn it on. But again, if that, ha- if, the, if he does not, and you get to the playoffs, and, you know, your young guys, you know, Trent Frederick isn't fitting in on, the, you know, the third or fourth line or wherever he is. He, at least Craig Smith is somewhat proven. So you do have to remember that both of those guys are can be depth pieces. And also, as you said, what are you getting for them? Like, well, again, you're not getting everyday NHL players in return. Are you getting a fourth round pick? Are you getting a fifth? Is that worth giving up valuable depth when most likely the team's probably going to have to trade for depth anyway at the deadline? I don't know. Probably not. That's why I think it's really tough to trade both those guys. Because again, it's not like you're dealing Craig Smith for a second round pick or, you know, a first or like, you know, another top prospect. I mean, credit to the Bruins. It seems like at least the early returns or, you know, just off what we've seen, the Stadnika trade looks like they got a legitimate defensive prospect. Cool. Um, Again, we've talked for years about how Stadnika's value is low. Um, but with Craig Smith and Mike Riley again, I don't know what you're getting in return um, for either of those guys, just given that I don't know if they're worth that much right now, especially, oh, here's Mike Riley, a guy we have no spot on the roster for and who has been in, you know, as you said, 10 paper transactions. And here's Craig Smith, consistent goal scorer, but of late, eh, 
not so much. Not really in our lineup at all. Plays like eight minutes a night. Not really selling teams on much. Nice. Um, but anyways, it's a safe bet that that bet online is a, is a good thing for you. And uh, Connor, why don't you tell them about bet online? Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, guys. Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your bet needs and sports info. Over at Bet Online, you can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, the latest fighting news, NFL bets, and yes, the NHL back, even more wages and odds. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code CLNS50. Bet online where the game stats. Stats. Where the game stats. So now's the time that you listeners can pick up your tomatoes, get them ready, ready to chuck at us. We're going to go through our preseason predictions, which again, it's a little early, but I think we'll probably do this, you know, maybe later in the year as well. But the Bruins are riding pretty high, and we had the Bruins. Not doing this, but playing well at least. Um, although we did say tread water a lot over the offseason. So I don't yes. think we can we can take no credit for them being, you know, at the time of recording 14 and 2. It is like we no one predicted this, but we we definitely didn't predict this. Um so I don't know how many predictions you went back and and looked at. Um, I know you wrote a story on this, correct? I back did. So I can, yes. If you want, I can I can run through like a quick, we'll do like a little quick hit of all the ones I have, and we can do the thumbs up, thumbs down, and laugh at how shitty most of these predictions have been. So Okay, let's do it. I'll, let's I'll, do I'll, it. I'll, let, you, I'll let you do the gauge on this one. Ready? Yes. Jake, uh, number one, Jake DeBrusque and David Pasternak both reached scoring milestones. I had DeBrusque at 30 goals, and I had Pasternak at over 50. DeBrusque? Okay. It's, you know, he's... <laughs> He's on, I think right now he's on pace for like 26. So, but I, I still feel pretty good about that. He's going to be in the top six. And then the point production's not, there. The point production is kind of there. Exactly. So yeah. And I, I think it, that one remains to be seen in terms of where exactly he ends up falling in on that top six. Cause right now it seems like Montgomery wants to keep Marsh and Bergeron Pasternak together. Going to work things up if they're together. And Pasternak will absolutely hit 50 goals if he stays healthy. But whether it's DeBrus settling in on the Krejci line on the right side or where they switch back, I still think even if maybe DeBrus doesn't get 30 goals, he's going to be around that 25-goal, 45-ish point trajectory. So not bad. I don't think that's a bad prediction. I don't. I think it's a fairly good one so far. Okay. Well, now it's going to go off the rails. Okay. Uh, number two, uh, Bruins signed David Pasternak to an eight-year – $90 million contract extension by the end of October. Well, uh, that didn't pan out. I also, I will add in mine. I had, they will do it in mid October for eight years, 11 million per. And in the podcast for Bruins beat, you said, I think they're going to do it the Friday before the home opener. And we were like, Oh, it's going to happen so quick. Hasn't happened. That's been and tougher. yeah. And does not seem like there's any indication that it's going to be changing anytime soon. Other than the fact no. that, that annual payout for David Pazerang is just going to keep on going up and up. So, not great. <laughs> not uh, another one, Bruins will be hovering around 500 by the end of November. <laughs> you know what? This one, you can throw the tomatoes at us. I don't think we were being Debbie Downers or Doom no. and Gloom. We were, the, we were the opposite of Debbie Downers this summer. Yeah, I feel we'll, like we we'll, were on the we'll positive side our, we'll, we'll get to our bold prediction at the very end of this. But, yes, I think it was not... 
I think people could have said like, oh, they were going to be, you know, uh, 15 and, and six or something like that at the end of November. Like they were going to be good. No one thought they were going to be this good, like no. in terms of, you know, 14 and two to, to start um, with the amount of injuries they have, all those things. I don't think you predicted this. So no. again, you can make fun of us, but I don't think at the time we were really going out there with that one. No, I don't think that was out there at all. We we said they're going to tread. They have to tread water. Treading water was not 14 and two. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, next one, David Krejci surpasses 80 points. Mm, uh, uh, early returns. Sampson. Early returns were not bad, but once that injury hit. Yeah, right now it's maybe good to temper expectation. He's still on pace, so I think have 58 points, I think is what his current trajectory is. And who knows, once he gets back to being healthy, I don't think he's been right since coming back from that upper body injury. He'd still be a guy that gives you 65 points, but um, whether it be kind of solving things on that that top six, who knows how, again, this Hall, Krejci, DeBrusque line looks. They haven't really played all that much, but they could hit it off. We've seen what Krejci can do with Hall in years past, so see how Krejci holds up over a full season. But right now, he's been solid, but not maybe what I was always expecting in terms of was going to hit it off right away. There's still some hurdles you get across, shockingly, when you get back to the NHL after, after being spending a year in Europe. Crazy that that's the case. Yes. Um, next one, Mark McLaughlin still ends up playing 50-plus games with the Bruins. Uh, <laughs> I, You know what? I still think McLaughlin, you look at what he's doing down in Providence, I don't think his point totals have been, you know, uh, eye-opening. I think he's got three points in 12 games. Apparently, his details have still been really good, but I don't think it's more of an indictment on McLaughlin and how he's playing down in Providence, but more of the case that this bottom six looks pretty set right now. You can't even have Craig Smith getting the lineup the way things are playing. So maybe McLaughlin spends most of the year down in Providence works on his overall game. But at the time, considering I, I think people were up in arms, remember, remember the good old days back in September, Evan, when like people Ooh. were m- most upset about the fact that McLaughlin got sent down, <laughs> which was warranted. He was probably the yeah. most consistent guy in the preseason, but alas. Well, it's funny. I actually, uh, I was talking to I was talking to a scout recently, and they said how Mark McLaughlin's a very interesting case. Where when you look at his trajectory, he was never, you know, he was never like the greatest player of his birth year or anything. But he's always a good player. He's always just good, and he was good at BC. Didn't jump off the page. He was just good, and he was good with the. He's a good bottom six forward, and I think mm-hmm. he's got a future up here. But again, yeah. I don't think it's fifty plus games quite yet, but he will definitely be up at some point, I think. Yes. Um, then kind of going off that, I had Johnny Beecher earn, earns more reps with Boston than Fabian Lysel. I don't think either one is kind of doing it this year. <laughs> Barring, again, injuries, uh, Lysel's hit it off down in Providence in terms of the point production, but based on what you hear from how he's fared down there, needs to work on his 200-foot overall game, which yeah, not much of a surprise. He's 19 years old. He's going to be fine. Like He's still going to be a guy that has top six potential, just Maybe not this year. And then Beecher, look at his skill set and why I had him getting more reps than Boston this year. Just goes with what his role could be and how his game could translate to the pros. Had a really strong uh, debut last year with Providence. Hasn't really been the case so far this year, so we'll see how he builds off of that. I think he went without a shot on goal, shot on goal for his first six, seven games. So Yeah, it was, it was a great. lot of games the beginning yeah. of the year that so, he didn't get a shot on that. It, it seems like he's... um rounding out his game a little bit more though. I think he's starting to produce a, a bit more over the last week or so. Good to see, but same thing with McLaughlin. 
if this top, if this bottom six playing like this up the NHL level, don't really know how many games he's going to get barring injuries or anything like that. And when you uh, made that prediction, when you made that prediction again, we obviously did not think Felino would do nearly no. as well as we did. And say with Nosek, we didn't Nosek, think Nosek yeah. was going to really factor in at all. So, and we also took into into account Sweeney's comments of play the kids. Like remember back when that you know we're gonna we want to play the kids more. So we said, well, why aren't they playing the kids? And you know we thought Nosek was washed. Felino, we thought was completely washed, and we were wrong. We were yes. we were happily wrong on those. Yes, keeping with the trend of being completely wrong, uh, we had Brad Marchand takes a step back after double hip surgery again. I said this not thing. one that I think was not one that I think was really out of out of the norm or a really bold take for a guy that is thirty four coming off double hip surgery. Um, and again, I don't think we were either saying he was going to be washed or he's going to be a guy that becomes more of a middle six winger, but. All right, Martian maybe isn't going to be a top five wing in the game. He's going to be 80% of what he is. And again, it's early on. We'll see how he handles over the span of a long season. But he says he's pain free and he's kind of playing like it. It's one thing if he wasn't producing, which he is, but it's also not like he's being tentative or he's avoiding contact or anything like that. It's the same old Martian we've seen. We like to probably see him score more at five on five. That's probably the one thing you want to see. But I don't think we have to be that concerned about the way he's playing right now. It doesn't look like there's been any real limitation to how he's been, which is again, another testament to Martian and this team's medical staff that these guys are all coming back ahead of schedule and it doesn't look like they're being rushed or anything like that. Yeah. Again, it's all worked out so far. Shout out to the medical staff, as you said, because they've kind of, they've been the real MVPs of the season. I think we, t- you know, when we did our MVP episode, we really should have shouted them out instead of, you know, Omar and, and Lindholm. That is true. Uh, this is a quick one, but we kind of touched on it. Felino and Nosek are out of the rotation by mid-November. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. And I, wrong. And I think and I think we will both eat crow on that. But again, yes. based on what you saw in the preseason, wasn't that out of the question. But credit to them. You know, Nosek's been uh, a steady uh, guy at the 4C spot. Been really good defensively. Been Played a key part on that penalty kill. And Felino looks like a completely different player. Like It's oh night and day from what we saw. Um, both the uh, Penguins and Capitals don't make the playoffs. This is what I predicted. So far, we're on the on that way, and I said it's because the Devils and the Islanders are going to bump them out of the Metro, and that's looking good so far. Yeah, the Devils won. I mean, how about that reporter asking Hughes the other day if he can maintain consistency? That's how you know someone doesn't show up every day. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That was that was a TV (laughs) station or something like that. That was a big TV station. (laughs) Yeah, that that Devils team looks one really fun right now, just the way they're playing. Still want to see how they handle their situation in net and defense. That's kind of the weak link there, but that's a team that is gone way ahead of schedule and think of what teams were expecting from them. And the Islanders, kind of the same old thing up front, what you expect, still kind of a stingy team, but if Sorokin's playing like he is right now, they're going to have a shot. And when you add in the fact that Capitals look old and they're banged up, the Penguins look really old, and we're saying this as the Bruins are going to scorch or, you know, earth with their core they still have in place, it gives you more appreciation <laughs> of how the Bruins are playing right now. Yeah, I mean, again, um, I just I, I the Pittsburgh one was interesting because Pittsburgh started out the year really good and then took yeah. a nosedive almost immediately. Um, there was, I mean, again, there was that game that the Bruins came back from five to two, and then I think it was the next game. Pittsburgh was in Buffalo, and Mike Sullivan got in a yelling match with a fan. Like that team is just not. Neither looks the neither the Capitals nor the Penguins really look primed for a uh, for a deep playoff run quite yet, yes. at least. 
Yeah, remember the Blues were in last place on January 1st. So remember that. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, Sorry about that one, guys. And I guess before I do the bull one, the only other one I'll probably share that looks like it's not holding up very well. I said Jakob Zaboral wins the seventh player award. It's not really an indictment on Zaboral, who has not been that good out of the gate. Like, I think, you know, he's even been very cognizant of the fact that he needs to up his game more. But I think it's more of a testament to how many other guys are way exceeding expectations. I mean, who's your pick right now? Olmark, Lindholm, Clifton, Felino, Forbert. Uh, I, I mean, like, the fans vo- fans vote on seventh player, fans right? Fans do. Yeah, they do. Yes. I have a weird feeling it'll be Felino. Everybody loves Nick Felino. Yes. And I have a weird feeling it's going to be him. But you're right. The the four you just mentioned deserve it. I almost put Lindholm more in like the Lindholm and Olmark, I think, are more like full time guys. I don't know if I yes. fully put them as seventh player. They could win it. But to me, it's as the fans say, Uncle Nick. Like, I, I think he's been the biggest surprise so far. Has to be him at this point. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the other real bold one. I mean, do you have any other before we go through? I think what we both said was our boldest ones or. um, I mean, I had, again, like mine, Pasternak re-signed mid-October wrong. Last year for Krejci and Bergeron, we don't know yet. Um, I imagine you did a similar one. Uh, yeah, Bruins Bergeron's not playing like a guy who's retiring. No, but and, we'll and, and his comments to Elliot Friedman, again, indicate that he doesn't think this this might not be his last year. Uh, Bruins goal leader, Pasternak. I think that we've still been consistent on that. Second goal leader, Taylor Hall. Eh, I don't know. We'll see. Not bad, but we'll see. We'll see about that one. Uh, I had uh, Swayman as better in net. It was not a, like a huge, he wasn't going to be much better, but it was a little edge above Sway, uh, above Olmark. Um, so far, that hasn't been the case. That could end up being the case. You know, again, we're not, <laughs> we're 16 games in here. But through through 16 games, that hasn't been quite it. Um, unsung hero, I had Taylor Hall and Derek Forbert. Forbert, I think, has been. Uh, Hall has produced as well for as an unsung hero, I guess. I'll give it to Hall. Um, breakout player, Pavel Zaka. He's been fine. You know, been good. It's solid. It's been solid. You know, you know again, hasn't broken the score sheet. Um, is what it is. Uh, points, Pasternak. MVP, Pasternak. And I said Hampus Lindholm. Bruins MVP. That, that actually is probably my best. That was probably my best prediction was Hampus Lindholm as potential Bruins MVP because that's who I picked recently. And then I had them second. Pl- well, actually, no, I think we're going to get to this in a second. So I'll let you yeah. continue on with how far they get and everything like yeah, that. Yeah. So, I mean, I had the Bruins winning the Atlantic, which probably people thought they were going to be a fringe team or a wild card team. I think some people were probably dooming, glooming before the year started. But I think when you looked at Toronto and their situation in that, even before Matt Murray got hurt, how that ends up Florida is still a very talented team, but you know, thin on depth on defense. And you had a whole bunch of guys across that lineup who were due for some regression. And then Tampa, which uh, still an elite core still can win multiple playoff rounds of Vasilevsky's locked in, but you lose guys like McDonough. Um, you lose more guys, you know, depth wise guy like plot um, sooner or later thing, you know, the couple was going to run bare a little bit there. Um, again, it's not to say these teams are all, trash like they're still very good and they can still <laughs> beat the Bruins in a seven game playoff series that's for sure but so far Bruins do look like the cream of the crop and probably the still most talented top to bottom division in hockey in the Atlantic um then I had the Bruins uh beating the Blues in the Stanley Cup final which we'll see the Bruins look really good right now so I'm not gonna I'm gonna do a a little bow or anything like that I'm not asking for people to uh you know, sending their regrets of, of throwing tomatoes at me once I drop this uh, prediction thing. But so far, it looks good. The Blues, 
Maybe Ooh, not. That team looks no. really bad. <laughs> really that team bad. looks very bad. But if it's Bruins of Golden Knights, not bad. I would take that. I think a lot of people would take that. I think people would be happy if the Bruins played anyone in a Stanley Cup final, to be fair. But yes, I think any of the story would be good in that. But you're right. I mean, the Bruins, I mean, imagine like how many questions Cassidy would get about facing his former team and how much. Like, remember when the Bruins played the Blues, David Backus got asked like every single second about playing his former team. So maybe it was a similar situation to that. I have them second place in the Atlantic. I figured Toronto is just so good in the regular season. The Bruins will, my thought process is the Bruins will tread water at the beginning. It'll set them behind, but they'll, you know, once they get everybody back, they'll be great and they'll be second place. Whereas if they had a, they were not injured for the full season, they would be in first. I don't think I'm way off on that. But again, they were so good with guys injured that they've, they didn't lose any ground. Um, But I think we were mostly right so far on the Atlantic division on the whole idea of Florida is good, but has problems. Tampa is older, not as good as they were last year. Like all of those things factor in. Uh, We were so far again, correct on like Detroit, Buffalo and Ottawa in that, you know, good young prospects and good young teams that aren't quite there yet. Ottawa is in a really interesting spot where like they invested, they they're looking at, you know, they're looking for a new owner. Um, but also, you know, Debrinket, Giroux, um, and nothing has really happened there. There's even rumors about like Eric Carlson potentially coming back, which would just be hilarious. Um, even though he's tearing it up this year for San Jose, yeah. so like, it's a whole other thing. Um, and then I had them, I had them in the cup winning. Well, I had them going through like beating. I think I said I had them beating Tampa in the first round, and then beating Toronto in the second, and then I forget who I had them beating in the conference final. I guess it doesn't really matter. The but Rangers I can get to the Metro. Something. It might have been the Rangers or one of those teams. Um, or like the Hurricanes. Oh, I think I said the Hurricanes. They would they would get uh, their yes. revenge. Because I said this is going to be the revenge path. The, the last dance are going to get everybody. And then I had them beating the Wild in the Cup. Which uh, I guess the Wild have rebounded a bit lately. They're not in like the bottom. They're, you know, fourth in the, in the Central. So, you know, fine. But they have not looked anything like a Stanley Cup contender that I think most people thought they would be especially like flurry yeah. hasn't been great he's injured now so again 16 games in whatever but um i again i'm like you i'm not gonna take a victory lap for putting the bruins in the cup final but so far doesn't look bad looking good doesn't look bad um so i, I would say i mean again the only they're actually i'm not not to call you out it's not fine, to call I mean, you out on a prediction not fine. to throw one more wrong one at you but when I was re-listening to the podcast of our preview predictions, which by the way, psycho move to listen to your own podcast. I've never done that before. To listen yeah, to your own podcast is it. I hope like none of my none of my roommates are home right now. So none of them heard like my voice playing in my room. That would be insane. They'd be like, Evan, do you need some you need some help? Um but you did say Craig Smith would be, I think, your um one of your breakout candidates under Jim Montgomery, which again, which again, I was with you on that. So I don't like, I'm not saying it was you, but um, that's not looking good though. Not no, looking not looking, great. Not looking very good. Um, but again, none of these are bad. We weren't that far off on a lot of these. Like, I don't think these are. Any Give you a whole bunch of YouTube comments like, no, you guys, you guys suck. Like these, <laughs> these are bad. Suck. You guys, you guys are hitting like 167. <laughs> you guys are below the Mendoza line. But you know what? <laughs> Whatever. Hey, yo, we, we'll we, like- we own up to it. All I'm saying is if the Bruins did win the cup would be like Joey Gallo in the sense that like, you know, 
low average. We don't hit much, but when we do hit them, they're bombs over. We're like the Adam, we're so, like Adam Dunn, just hitting Adam dingers, Dun- yes. hitting one hundred, striking out. <laughs> we're we're the Willie Mopena. I was saying Willie predictions. Mopena. Yeah, <laughs> yes. throw 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 a high fastball. We'll whiff in, but throw a throw a hanging curve. It's going to the moon. Oh, we're hitting that thing. We're hitting that thing out of the park, over the monster, and out of the pike. Um, but you know what else is a home run? Subscribing to Boston Sports Journal. What can people look forward to over there from you? Yeah, we're going to have you covered every step of the way this Bruins season with game reports, columns, features, Q&As, all that good stuff all season long. So please subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at ConnorRyan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky, Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 